Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The conversation went a little something like this. Honey, where's the ketchup? Well, it's right behind the pickle jar. No, it's not. That's where it, is. That's where it always is. Just look. Um, I'm looking at the pickle jar, and I'm not seeing the ketchup. Are we out? No. It's right there. I can see it from here, for goodness sake. Where? Right in front of your face. Are you blind? It's a true story. Why is it that we can't see things when they are right in front of our faces? If we have good vision, if we even wear glasses, there's, there's really no excuse for missing the obvious. So it's not really a physical problem then, is it? You know, there's an actual name for this. It's called inattentional blindness. The phenomenon that occurs when you can physically see, but you are focused on something else, so then you end up missing the obvious. Like the ketchup. Or sometimes even your glasses that are on top of your head. Now, this is completely different from being blind altogether. Actual physical blindness would leave anyone not able to see the ketchup or the pickles that the ketchup was hiding behind. In our country, the CDC estimates that one in every 5,200 babies are born either without fully developed eyes or with no eyes at all. And this leaves them living a life of blindness, not being able to physically see at all. As we had just read through the rather lengthy uh, chapter 9 of John's Gospel, we, in fact, encounter these two types of people. A man who was born blind, and then the Pharisees who suffer from a form of inattentional blindness. Now, the man who had been born blind uh, had been reduced to a lifetime of begging. We don't know if he was fully blind or if he could see shapes or forms, but we do know that he couldn't work for a living. And so people passing by would either see him as a pariah or perhaps even someone to show mercy upon. But this man couldn't work and was at the, uh, at the mercy of others. Those who passed by had the question like the disciples did. Who sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents that this man was born blind? We know that sin is the root of all sickness and sorrow, of pain and ultimately death. And when we talk about sin, we we talk about sin in categories. Actual sins, such as the things that we do or the things that we don't do in light of God's commandments. And original sin, the sin that is ours and in the world because we have inherited the condition from our first parents, Adam and Eve. The question that was asked of the man who was born blind is one of actual sin. Who sinned? 
that this man should be born blind? Did his parents do something against the commandments of God whereby the Lord is now punishing this man? Or did the man do something so sinful in the womb that when he was born, the Lord struck him blind? Who sinned? What did they do? Why would they ask that question? Well, fearful Jews would want to know what not to do, lest one of their own children be born blind. Curious Jews would want to know simply to have the inside scoop. Don't you want to know? When you see a guy on the street corner with a cardboard sign, don't you want to ask what they did to get there? Of course, you don't ask them in person. You provide your own answers. That's probably bad choices. Probably drugs. Maybe they were fired from their job. They probably dropped out of school. Maybe there's some mental health issues going on here. You ask a question, but, but why? Is it so that you or your children have some better understanding on what to do or what not to do? Well, then that individual then serves as an object lesson for you, right? Or is it simple curiosity? You just want to know to know. But then, of course, when the light turns greens, you pass by them without making eye contact. Who sinned? It is far too easy to focus on the sins of others. Well, he did that. Well, she said this. Did you hear about that family? Did you see what those people are doing over there? The fingers of blame, shame, accusation, and fault, they are so easy to point at others. Far too easy. Why? Because that's our sin. By our nature, we suffer from inattentional blindness of our own sin. We see what's right, what's not right in others, but, but we are by nature blind to see what is not right in ourselves. Well, it's a good thing, though, that we have encountered Jesus just as the man who was born blind. See, Jesus wasn't concerned about splitting theological hairs concerning the question of sin with those who asked. Did the man sin? Yes. Did his parents sin? Yes. Did they do things that they weren't supposed to do? Yes. Did they not do the things that they were supposed to do? Yes. Is the whole world affected by the sin of Adam and Eve? Yes. Is Jesus interested in pointing the finger at whose fault it was? No. Not in this case. Jesus is focused instead on what he is going to do about the sin. Jesus is focused on how he will undo sin's effect. Jesus is focused on bringing light and self and sight to this man who is blind and who is in the dark. And just look at how he does it. 
He takes the saliva from his mouth and he mixes it with the dust of the ground. He takes this moistened earth and he presses it to the man's unseeing eyes and then he commands him, go, wash. Are you seeing what Jesus is doing? Just as the Son with the Father and the Holy Spirit at the beginning of creation took the dust of the earth and formed man, creating him, so the Son sent by the Father and in the power of the Holy Spirit is reforming and recreating this man. The command of Jesus along with the water from the pool bring this man into the light so that he is seeing for the first time. And so now this man was born from above, just like all who are baptized according to our Lord's command, along with the water from the font. Jesus delivers the cure of sin with his word, along with the things of this creation. There, mud. Here, water. Bread. Wine. But this account is just for one man, one blind man, one man whose sight was restored, one sinner born to sinful parents. What about the rest of the world? What about me? The good news is that this is just one chapter in the ministry of Jesus who has come to do something about sin. The sin of the world including your sin and mine. As the story unfolds, the opposition to Jesus, his ministry, his healing grows. His preaching and his teaching threatens the religious authorities who feel, fear the political ramifications of this large following that, that he is attracting. But see, this isn't just simply some political or religiously motivated movement. No, this is the unfolding of God's great plan of salvation that was promised to our first parents and put into motion from the very moment, from that very moment. This is the fruition of Isaiah's Holy Spirit-inspired words, that he comes to give sight to the blind. And then in the fullness of time, Jesus lays down his life. On Good Friday, Jesus pays the penalty for sin, the sin of the world, the sin of the blind man and his parents, the sin of Adam and Eve, your parents, my parents, and even our own sin. This is the work of God on display for everyone. Jesus lifted high upon a cross that the curse of sin might be broken. This is the fulfillment of God's promise for all people to see. Jesus died a sinner's death to redeem his creation from sin and then to give light and life in his name. See, Jesus breaks the curse of sin and death as he breaks the seal of the tomb on the morning of the third day. Right? Jesus lives. Jesus rules and he reigns. And Jesus' kingdom comes to us and his will is being done even here, even now. 
Don't you see? If we don't confess to our inattentional blindness to our own sin, well, then we are left spiritually blind and dead. But as God's word comes to us, we are led to confess our own sin. And confessing our own sin, our eyes are lifted to the cross where Jesus dealt mercifully and graciously with us. Your sins are forgiven on account of Christ Jesus. Don't you see? He brought this forgiveness to you as, as you were washed in the baptismal font. He brings you forgiveness when you come and you, 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 you take the bread and the wine of his meal. Water, bread, wine, along with his word, brings to you the mercy, the grace, and the forgiveness that Christ won for you on the cross. And here in this place, he touches you, he opens your eyes to see in faith that the Lord has done great things for you. For you. And for all. See, you're not blind after all. No, this won't help you find the ketchup in the fridge, but it will allow you to see yourself rightly. With the eyes of faith, you see and believe in Christ your Savior who has forgiven you all your sins. And now with sight restored, you are able to see others, even, even the beggars on the street corner, as ones for whom Christ also died. So brothers and sisters in Christ, go forth in faith to Christ Jesus, loving and, and serving fellow sinners, so that others may catch a glimpse of God's love and his sacrifice for all. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.